1: To convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive.
2: We're back. Triple Threat Theater, episode 20. I'm Joe Daxberger. This house is clean.
0: And I'm Ryan Miller.
2: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Milzy. Hey, what's up? Welcome back, baby. Yeah,
0: same to you. And same to you, dear listener.
2: Mm, Hello, friends. Mills, mm-hmm. this episode has nothing to do with uh poltergeist. poltergeist. Something a little, a little uh a little different. Let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. What is your oldest memory of one Al Pacino? <sighs> um, you know, I feel like tell tell
0: me tell me before I answer your question if you feel this way as well. I feel like as long as far back as I can remember in my movie watching Robert De Niro and Al Pacino for a couple reasons are like oddly synonymous. And there's like a rift between them for me personally. Do you, do you feel like the two of them are like comparable in any way, shape or form? Or is it just the fact that they're like both in Godfather movies and then they have that scene together in heat kind of thing?
2: Um, I think I could go with that
0: like I feel like i I feel like I am always comparing the two of them, mm-hmm. and the reason I bring this up when you ask that question is I've always been a big Robert de Niro fan, like classic de Niro mm-hmm. whereas Al Pacino you know I prefer I think I honestly prefer the Robert de Niro segments of Godfather Part Two over the like the modern day stuff with Al Pacino. And then I've never really been a fan of Heat. You can burn me at the <sighs> stake for that one if you want,
2: but Ooh, I want to, but carry on.
0: Never never been a fan of that movie. And then I feel like the other big Pacino film is Scarface. And where that movie has like massive popularity. And I feel like there was a time, it may still be going on now, where every other random uh college dorm room that you went into probably yeah. had a Scarface <laughs> poster on the
2: mm-hmm. wall. True.
0: I I think that movie's good, but I've never been like over the moon about it. And I'm not sure if it's because of Pacino or if just the movie didn't click with me for some reason, but like it's, it's hard for me to even ask, ask uh, answer your question Ooh. of like where my experience with him begins. I don't really remember because I feel like I've never paid a whole lot of attention to Pacino. Interesting. Oddly.
2: What about you? Hmm. Um, well, circling back to your question real quick, where I do see find them comparable kind of in just probably like age and the movies they've been with together in. Um, it's one I of those s- things,
0: I don't know if they actually deserve to be compared and contrasted, but for some reason in my head, they always have been.
2: I mean, I guess it makes sense, just, you know, similar backgrounds, I think, and just... Certainly the Godfather connection and, you know, Heat kind of doubled down on that. But I think just, I would still consider them both like A-list actors. So that's part of it, of that like generation. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I think it makes sense to compare and contrast. I mean, they're. I feel like a lot of it has to come down to Heat because like they're
0: in Godfather 2 together, but obviously don't have any scenes together. Right. And, like, that's one of those... Like, nowadays, it feels like there's so many sequels and, like, trilogies and things that it's not unusual for a sequel to be better than the original. But, like, back in the days when, like, in Scream 2, there was actually a dialogue scene with some of the characters in, like, a film school class about sequels that are better than the original. And, like, once upon a time, the only ones that anybody could ever come up with that maybe fit that description were, like, Godfather 2... And Mm -hmm. aliens, I feel like. I mean, um, but like, you know, arguably one of the absolute best movies or at least most well appreciated movies of all time. And then they finally act together in one scene in Heat. And I feel like that is like a seminal cinematic moment for a lot of people Uh in a movie that is widely regarded as being very good. And I mean, I've seen that movie three times, and every time I watch it, I love the heist scene in the street, and the rest of it, I'm just kind of like, nah, I'm not really into it. So, I don't know if it's just me, but that's the way I've I've always
2: perceived it. Maybe because of heat. Hmm. Well, I'll say, as far as I know, it is just you with the disdain for heat uh, (laughs) in mind. Not a disdain, just you know. Not it sounds like disdain. Music, no, no
0: real great appreciation for it.
2: We'll save it for the Heat episode, but <laughs> whatever right. comes around. Um, but, two uh,
0: other movies with uh, Heat-related titles. Oh, scroll, scroll,
2: sc- uh, scribble that down real quick.
0: <clears throat> so um, fire down below.
2: <laughs> Here we <laughs> I'm go. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to let people the rec- run on the creative yeah, process. You pause the recording real quick. So. Yeah, I could see the, the comparison there. Back to my initial question. Uh, I think just growing up, my mom was a big Godfather fan. My brother Mike is named after Michael Corleone. Oh. Yeah, she was like that much of a fan of those movies and Al Pacino. So, And kinda... you weren't
0: named after Luca Brasi? No. Oh,
2: you would think bad. so. It was close. Luca Daxberger. <laughs> sleeps with the fishes. Hey, someday. <laughs> still possible <laughs> so um, yeah it's kind of like always been around like De Niro too. my mother was just like a, I don't know how much we've gotten into it on the on the show here but my mom was like a huge movie fan so you know I was I kind of like grew up with a lot of mob movies and constantly Rocky you know one through four was always on in some <laughs> regard. like there was uh-huh. a lot of that so the two of them for sure always prevalent but it's kind of always been like maybe even just from the naming of my brother type of thing it's always been like al pacino's like always been around um for me i don't remember i honestly couldn't tell you when i first watched any of the godfathers mm-hmm. and it's been a long time of course but i don't know if you know it could have even been a kid i don't i really just don't remember because it just always been around uh the first movie that really did it for me is just like made me like uh Al Pacino fan is Carlito's Way which is a movie Mm -hmm. I love I as well I'm a fan of that one yeah so that between that and Heat because I love Heat's like in my top 10, 20 movies probably so between those two like growing up that was when I was like early teenager-ish so those movies were big for me and looking at like his filmography there I got a lot of spots there that I'm missing Mm -hmm. yeah
0: kind of same here I did the same and I I looked at his filmography and there's some relatively big things or noteworthy movies that he's been in that I haven't seen. Then some more obscure stuff, too. I mean, certainly a lot of stuff in the past two decades Mm
2: -hmm. that I haven't seen. Yeah,
0: You know, like, I'm sure I've, I know I've told you about it before. I've talked about it on the Sidetrack podcast. I don't remember if I've mentioned it on here. I probably have, but there was that period where. I had a back injury when I got out of college, and for like two straight years, all I did was watch movies with my brand new Netflix account that I had, and I barreled through a lot of stuff then, like the Three Godfathers, the first two of which I really love, Mm -hmm. and per the debate that I brought up earlier, I am a Godfather 1 man over Godfather 2. Oh, interesting. And, you know, like I saw Serpico for the first time back then, but that's been 10 plus years, and I remember very little about it. I had seen The Devil's Advocate before, which we talked about not too uh, long ago on an episode of this show. You know, other stuff here and there, like Insomnia is one that came out kind of, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. later, but a lot of people like, I think, mm-hmm. but never really cared for that movie, even
2: though, you know, I like Robin Williams. I saw it in the theater and I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. I Hillary Swank's in that, right? Mm hmm. Like, yeah, I yeah, Hillary remember Hillary Swank, Swank and, and a bunch of fog.
0: That's it. But yeah, like, I don't know why um, There are a couple movies like Carlito's Way I really like And I remember liking Donnie Brasco yep,
2: Donnie Brasco is a great one
0: And then like the couple of Godfather movies But yeah, for whatever reason Never paid a whole lot of attention to the guy Never really made a point to track down his stuff So, you know, I don't think we've even mentioned exactly Why don't you tell no, people what this episode
2: haven't. is? <laughs> well, uh, clearly Al Pacino-centric a P N Y. Al Pacino and the the Big Apple. Yeah, it seems
0: like at least half of his like classic films take place in New York City, so it wasn't hard to mm-hmm. pick movies for this one, I guess. Yeah. But this was your idea. And um, you know, I going into this wasn't the most excited again, just because I'm not like a huge Al Pacino fan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Tell me but, more. Uh I had a really good time doing this one, watching these movies. And I don't know. By the end, I may have, by the end of this episode, I may have turned
2: over a new leaf. We'll have to mm. find out. But I'm very excited. So, like you said, I came up with this episode. Uh, I don't remember how, when, or why. <laughs> but uh, with that, I probably just found one or thought of one and then went from there. But we've got 1991 Frankie and Johnny,
0: which I don't know if I'd ever heard of.
2: Same. Same here. Uh, 1992's Scent of a Woman.
0: I had seen this one before, but similar to Serpico, I saw it years ago and
2: didn't remember most of it. And then finally, 1996's City Hall, which I may have been peripherally aware of, but I don't. I mean, actually, once I saw the movie poster for that one, I was like, okay, yes, I knew that was a thing. But even like getting ready to watch it, I was like, this isn't on my radar at all.
0: Yeah, a couple weeks ago, if you had said to me, there's a movie called City Hall. Who's in it? I yeah. wouldn't have been able to tell you <laughs> oh, anybody. Yeah. I could have taken a blind stab in the dark. But
2: <laughs> So, yeah, I haven't seen any of these before recording, oh, so it was okay. perfect. I mean, I'm very... I guess you could say I was very aware of Scent of a Woman, even though I didn't have a single idea what it was about besides him being blind. Ooh, right, uh. Right. And, and that. <laughs> Funny story, which... Something worth checking out. Um, whenever I think of that movie, I always think of this uh, commercial for uh, Madden, the football video game. Uh-huh. Tell me if this will sound ludicrous, but it's hilarious. It already does, but please proceed. So there was like a, maybe like three, four years ago. It could be more. Like Madden, they put out like a like probably like a four or five minute commercial for like whatever year madden that was and it was like the trailer for an action movie Mm -hmm. and like in in the movie it's like i couldn't even tell it's like dave it's dave franco as johnny lightning or whatever his name is and then it's uh uh mclovin he's something What whatever uh, christopher minceblast he's like some other character and then they got like uh you know, so it's playing out like an action trailer and then it's like rex ryan who was like a football coach for the jets and i think the bills after that Like he's one of the characters and rob gronkowski from the patriots is like some like crazy character and then it goes and then it's the next character that goes uh colin kaepernick as al pacino from scent of a woman and it's like colin kaepernick was like a was a A quarterback comes on screen and he's he's dressed just like Al Pacino. He just goes, "Hua, yes." So throughout the whole thing, you can see my face right now. I bet you gotta. Anyone out there listening? If you know, uh, seen it or it's definitely because I double checked. I was like, okay, that wasn't like a fever dream. This is a real thing. I remember. We should have reviewed that this episode. Oh man, so uh, it's worth checking out Millsy because it's just (laughs) hilarious to see. You know, a, a quarterback, just the most random character, as Al Pacino, instead of a devil woman. And he just, there's a couple, ha-ha's, and hooah. So, Is he good at doing an impersonation of him, uh, or was it just completely random that they chose to do that? I mean, it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I mean, when you see him, if you know Colin Kaepernick, if you see him, you'll be like, it doesn't look like Al Pacino, but that hmm. that adds to the comedy, I think. So, anyways. Fair enough. Uh, worth checking out Millsy you especially.
0: All right. So, I'll, anyways, uh, I'll add it to the list.
2: <laughs> so, uh, back to scent of a woman. I don't. I didn't know anything it was about. I just knew Al Pacino was blind, and there was a connection to a ridiculous Madden commercial. I didn't know anything about like the him being a colonel or lieutenant or any okay. of that stuff. But we'll get into that during that Yes, we will. Uh, Frankie Frank, Frank and <laughs> I'm Johnny I'm still reeling from that yeah. sorry. Frankie and Johnny uh, nothing you know I no. didn't even know that was a song or a, a bunch of other movies or this one yeah yeah no clue same
0: here well let's dive right into that one because oh, that's, yes. that's first up on the list yes uh, please Frankie and Johnny from 1991 I'm going all over the place with you I
2: don't know what
0: you're talking about. I'm talking about this I'm in love with you I love you I am totally,
3: completely mad for you. I, I, my heart stops every time I look at you. Personally, I think we should be married. I definitely want to have kids, four or five, if possible. There, I said it. It wasn't so difficult. You don't have to say anything. It's fine with me. I just wanted to get it out
1: myself. Talk about a load off. Talk about a load off? Talk about a crock of shit. I oh, don't say that, Frankie. That's vulgar talk. That's not like you. You don't talk like that. You i talk.
3: I'll talk any fucking way I fucking feel like it. This is my fucking bully night, and who the fuck are you to fucking spoil it by fucking telling me you love me? She really likes this guy. I told you I love you. That makes me unlovable. No, it makes you a creep. No, you're not a creep. You're sincere. That's what's so awful. I mean, are
2: you nuts?
3: Kids, for Christ's sake. So what's wrong with kids? I hate kids. I don't believe that. OK, I'm too old to have kids. No, I can't have any. Are you happy now? We'll adopt. Look, you don't just decide to go falling in love with people out of the blue. Why not? They don't like it. You need help. How would you like it if Netta came up to you and she said, I love you and I want to have your baby? Netta, I really like you. You're a nice person i love frankie i'm getting help you don't know me
0: uh written by a guy named terence mcnally who wrote the screenplay based on his own uh script for an off-broadway play you would think when an off-broadway or when a play gets made into a movie it would be because it's popular but from what I was reading, this thing only ran off-Broadway for two weeks, and then it ended, and then they brought it back for, like, six more weeks with a different lead actor.
2: And huh. that's
0: it. It's so it played basically for two months. And then I guess just based on the strength of the screenplay, it got made into a movie, and not because it's some huge thing like Les Mis, where when they make the movie, it's just like, oh, obviously, Les Mis is super popular. We'll do a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of weird.
2: Very. I but, guess uh, it had Kathy Bates was in the play, correct?
0: Yes. Uh, so in the movie, Frankie is Michelle Pfeiffer and Johnny is Al Pacino. In the play, it was Kathy Bates and um, Kenneth Walsh, who I'm not really familiar with. Uh, he he has been in some movies as well, but um, mm-hmm. they were the main characters. And <laughs> apparently one of the big critiques that uh, critics had at the time when the movie came out was that, uh, you know, the characters in the play are supposed to be, like, kind of normal, sad people. Sure, sure. And critics, like, didn't buy that Michelle Pfeiffer and Al Pacino were these, like, normal people because they're, like, beautiful movie stars, especially her, mm-hmm. to which I'm like, well, isn't that, like, acting? Right. <laughs> like, um... does a person have to be, like, you know frumpy to play a normal person i mean that's most actors like big name ones are beautiful or like good looking and that's part of why they're so popular right like
2: that's a weird thing to criticize i thought a little bit that being said because i i did read that scene kind of factoid after watching the movie and even i think like in this movie I don't know if it's her or makeup or whatever, but I think they did a good job of her just kind of making her look like a everyday kind of plain Jane waitress. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's the, uh, is that movie She's All That? Uh, the classic yeah. trope of like just put a glasses on someone and put their hair up and then they're not gorgeous and you right. take the glasses and the, off and the hair down and then suddenly mm-hmm. they're beautiful. I mean, her hair is kind of a little unkempt. And they dress her in like non flattering clothing, like kind of yeah. baggy clothes. So it's like she's Michelle Pfeiffer under there, but she's mm-hmm. not wearing like the Catwoman skin tight sure, suit sure. or something.
2: I Even, mean, like the makeup, like maybe subdued. I don't know what it is because I think what well, this probably is a just year. not a lot of makeup. Yeah. Honestly, what, I mean, a year before Batman Returns type of thing. So mm-hmm. it just looks a lot different. When I saw her, I was like, first I checked, I was like, what year did this come out? Because I was not like super familiar with her before. Batman Returns, myself. I mean, I know she was in Scarface, but that was like 10 years before this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I thought, you know, after reading that, I, you know, I was kind of surprised to hear it. Just, I never knew that story, anyways. And then mm-hmm. also just thinking, I think she played it well and she looked the part. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean, it was a thing, apparently, the critics said that uh, despite the fact that people like didn't buy her physically as the role, because I mean, you're going from Kathy Bates to Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. but that people were impressed by her performance, like seemingly more so than Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, which I would assume is a lot of our listeners, mm-hmm. Frankie and Johnny tells the story of uh, she, Frankie, is a waitress who has had, let's say, relationship issues in the past and is kind of that other trope of like, oh, I am i don't date anymore. I'm like sworn off men or whatever and she's got the best friend who lives across the hall in her apartment building who's like a gay guy who's like trying to get her back out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um played by Nathan Lane before he was like a name actor. Right. And meanwhile, Johnny is Al Pacino who just finished a prison term for counterfeiting or right. not counterfeiting um
2: uh, like fake checks.
0: Yeah, like um forgery. For yeah. And uh, so nothing, nothing violent. And while he was in prison, he worked in the, uh, the kitchen, like the mess hall and like, mm-hmm. grew to enjoy cooking. Not that he's like a five star chef or anything, but right. he gets out, moves to New York City and gets a job as a short order cook in the same little, you know, hole in the wall diner that she works at run by Hector Elizondo,
2: who I'm a big a, fan
0: of. An alumnus of Triple Threat Theater, he was on our first episode because he's in Leviathan. Mm -hmm. I think uh, had like a big monster mouth in his hand in one part.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's probably he's bound to show up more on the show because he's almost he's kind of like a that guy actor.
0: Well, he's a great character actor. Mm -hmm. And this movie was directed by Gary Marshall, who we'll talk more about in a minute. But if we ever watch another Gary Marshall movie, which I think we may at some point, we're going to see him because I read this little tidbit, which I thought was great. That Gary Marshall met Hector Elizondo while playing basketball in the early 80s and has put him in every single movie he's ever made oh, since.
2: That's awesome. That's quite the which relationship.
0: It's a pretty big catalog because Gary Marshall directed, among other things, the original Overboard, uh, Beaches with Bette Midler, Pretty Woman and The Runaway Bride, both with Julia Roberts, The Princess Diaries 1 and 2. And then he passed away in 2016, but his last three films were Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day, oh, wow. which were all kind of that theme of like yeah, yeah. just a giant cast of like that guy and that girl mm-hmm. actors, like you intersecting know, intersecting stories and all that. Mm-hmm. So, pretty prestigious director, I would say. Yeah, and because of that, Hector Elizondo got some good work over the years. Seriously, see, it pays to be nice to people.
2: I—that's uh, what I'm saying, Elzy. <laughs> Put it on a billboard. I mean, come
0: on. If I was a director, you'd
2: be in every one of my films. Oh, same here, bud. <laughs> what would you? What kind of character would you want to be? Uh, well, like I, the like something wildly different every time, or do you want to just be like the gumshoe with a dirty past?
0: Uh, I want to be like some some side character who just has like a a catchphrase that he spouts in every oh. movie. It's perfect. Something that I can sign on 8 by 10s when I'm like washed up and I'm doing convention circuits (laughs) later in life.
2: That's so on brand. I love it. Perfect.
0: I'll always be like, like Hector Elizondo in this movie, I'll be like the boss or the manager or the chief or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In all of the Joe Daxberger films. Nice,
2: nice. I like it.
0: So, I mean, I guess to finish off the brief basic synopsis, Al Pacino just like tries and tries and tries and tries to get her to go out with him, mm-hmm. and I mean, at its core, this movie is a romantic drama with a little bit of comedy thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And um, for sure, yeah, I I don't know if there's much
2: more to synopsis size than that. Uh, no, I mean, um, I'll come out and say, I mean, the movie's worth watching. I think they they play off each other quite well. Uh, he's probably got a good 10 years on her or something. Yeah, so well, I guess. mean, the
0: character in the movie, um, he's 10 years older than her. Yeah, but, you know,
2: I found for his, like, you know, everyday kind of story of just, like, a cook and a waitress in a little breakfast joint, like, I f- I found myself compelled with this story, Milsy. Uh, can I tell you? Yes. I loved this movie. Yeah. I
0: absolutely loved this. I went into this not knowing anything about it. Like, I obviously saw the cover of the box, um, or like the poster, and I knew a couple people that were in it. I knew because you had put it on the the list for this episode that it took place in New York City, Mm -hmm. and when I went to watch it, I saw the genre came up of like drama romance. And not that I'm against those genres, but they're not like the ones I'm most impassioned about. So start the movie just not knowing what I'm in for and then as soon as they make it to New York City which is like 5 minutes into the film I real quick started to fall in love with this thing. Yeah man. And part of it is just that I I love the feeling of movies this came out in the early 90s um but like movies especially in like the 80s and early nineties that take place in New York City when it feels like it was a little bit of a different place. It was in that transition from like the squalid hellhole with porn theaters everywhere that it <laughs> right. used to be into like the Disney fied, clean, modern mm-hmm. New York with like Times Square as like a destination location. Oh yeah. And they mostly I mean, the the movie isn't like sprawling like going all around New York City. A lot of it is just in uh Michelle Pfeiffer's apartment and the diner. Which isn't too surprising when you read that the original play that it's based on, which was called Frankie and Johnny in Claire de Lune, in the Claire de Lune, mm-hmm. which I guess is a song that comes in later yeah, in the movie. It does. The entire play is just the two lead actors. There's no mm-hmm. other characters, and it all takes place in the apartment. So wow. like, they definitely spread it out some in the movie with a couple yeah. different locations and such, but... It's like kind of claustrophobic in just a couple of spots, Uh but I just love that like stereotyped movie version of like New Yorkers, all the different kinds of New Yorkers. Like when you see all the different customers in the diner throughout the movie, it reminds me of the scene in like high school movies where someone takes the new kid through the cafeteria and it's like, there's the freaks (laughs) and there's the jocks Mm -hmm. and there's the, you know, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you have all the different stereotypes of like the different kind of people you would run into and get to know in a New York diner, oh,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: and just that weird feeling of um camaraderie between like it's just a bunch of people of all different walks of life who all just happen to work in this diner together, yeah, but then like you know they all care about each other and. It's like an idealized version. Sure. It's like the kind of thing that I could see somebody seeing in a movie and then moving to New York with stars in their eyes of like having that New York life and then being disappointed when everybody like you know ignores one another and spits right. on each right. other in the
2: street. I mean, I'll flat out tell you. At one point early on, I was like, I could work in a diner.
0: I know. Throughout the movie I was like, you know, I don't think
2: working in a diner like this yeah. would be half bad. It will honestly would probably suck, but yeah. But like thinking about like with like with me with my day job like customer service in an office like it's not necessarily people that want to be dealing with what we're dealing with, but mm-hmm. in this it's like it's people getting breakfast. Like that's like a good start to the day and like they do some good storytelling bits of You know, like Michelle Pfeiffer knows like when the one lady needs to take her medication and she knows Mm -hmm. how the one guy likes his eggs. Just like it's a good
0: setup. Or when the one guy grabs the other waitress's butt, they have a plan in play. Like, okay, you go over and fill up his drink and then I'll walk by and bump into you. So you spill it all over. I'm like, it's just Mm -hmm. a super romanticized version of a job that in all reality would probably be just as soul crushing as any other one. But they make it seem like such a fun Energetic, exciting, yeah. a kind of active in the moment place mm-hmm. to work, With and like then a fun
2: cast of characters too. Even the people working yeah. there,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, just like like Michelle Pfeiffer, she is kind of a woman who f- is feeling like kind of down and out in her life because of the relationship she's had and everything. And she's not a person who has like big dreams and or the the gusto to back them up. So she's just you know, but but she is like beautiful and she's younger. But then you've also got, like, the kind of older but, like, outgoing kind of slutty woman who works with her. And then you've got, like, the really kind of nebbish reserved one who still has, like, a kind of fun sense of humor. And then, like, the older woman who runs the cash register who, um, at the beginning of the movie, she goes into the hospital and ends up dying. And Mm. then, like – but they have, like – they all like, even though they're all so different, they all get along and they care about each other and they do things outside of work. It's just one of those things where I just watch it and I'm like, this probably doesn't exist with 99.8% of people like these kind of relationships with uh, just like the, uh, the other Joes that they happen to work with, but it's just so romanticized and fun to watch in this. Yeah, it really is. And then on top of that, I love, love, love the couple of scenes um, where uh, Michelle Pfeiffer will be like looking out her window and into the windows of the other people across the street in the other like apartment building. Mm -hmm. And it's like the one guy's beating his wife and then there's the old couple that gets a new puppy and just like you don't meet these characters for the most part. But it just it gives me this feeling of like that is such an old school Hollywood kind of Method of of showing like the different walks of life of people like it even reminds me a lot of course like obviously of Rear Window Mm. I've never seen it oh boy Dexberger we are doing an episode to the list (laughs) but yeah just that whole like vibe of looking out your window into the lives of all these other people so it's like you have this kind of like personal like insider look into the intimate moments of these people's lives but it's like you have no idea who they are you don't know their names. Just I don't know this movie gave me such great vibes,
2: yeah, well I have to agree, man. it just it was all that like nice setup, and then you know a good amount of characters, but not too many, so I could see how you know expanding it from the play from like just the two characters to like this little this little group was a good call, mm mm-hmm. but still gives you know um Michelle and Al like plenty of time to play off each other which I think they do really well, you know? Yeah. It's all, all like, pretty compelling. It's all, like, feels natural for the most part. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably besides, like, Al Pacino's, like, crazy orgasm he has that, like, (laughs) made me laugh all out because it was, like, (laughs) that, like, fake or whatever, but oh, my God. So Well, even
0: even him and her, it's just, like, they're very written kinds of characters mm -hmm. where he is just, like, the most... It's like we don't know what he was like before prison, but you get the feeling that he did a lot of reading in there and, like, is one of the people who bettered himself when he was in prison and, like, learned a trade that he then uses to immediately get a job even though he was, you know, uh, convicted and everything and served Mm -hmm. time. And he's just, like, got this positive attitude of, like... You know, we're not getting any younger, let's live for the moment, let's act on our emotions, and she's the exact opposite where no matter what she feels, she's put this wall up that is just like, no, we will not act on our emotions and we will not do what we feel like and we will remain miserable because it's the only way to keep ourselves safe, Right. and it's just like odd couple, opposites attract. Like I say, it's very written, but it's just like fucking heartwarming at yeah. the same time. It's, it's very
2: compelling, it really is. Yeah. There's one part, like, you know, towards the end when they're they're talking and she's, like, finally, like, asking him questions. Like, you know, um, she was even like, have you been to prison? And he was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. But then they just keep going. It doesn't have to turn into something. like.
0: Yeah, he tells her why and then they move yeah. on.
2: It was nice because it wasn't, he almost like, I mean, this movie's from 91, but plenty of movies since then you'd expect, like, the trope of them like, trying to cover that up or... Mm -hmm. you know i was almost like expecting that to happen just because from being trained by movies over the years i guess but then it was like it was that part in particular just felt like very relieving to me like Mm -hmm. it wasn't that big of a deal because it wasn't yeah you know
0: yeah and then like the uh the next door neighbor that i mentioned played by nathan lane who's gay and we meet his like new boyfriend And, you know, that's yet uh, it feels like this movie is filled with tropes and I recognized all of them, but they all just worked so well together Mm -hmm. that I didn't really mind because like the whole stereotype of him being the next door neighbor who's gay and is trying to like convince her to go out with guys and stuff and like helping her pick out clothes for a date and everything. Mm. And then Al Pacino coming in and they don't dwell on it too much there's like the one little awkward moment where he finds out that Nathan Lane and this other guy are gay and there's like one or two awkward things said but then um for what it's worth this movie actually won a GLAD award Ooh. the year that it came out because it's... of the representation of the gay characters and yeah. the fact that they aren't treated you know in any kind of unusual light Um, They're just like past the 60 seconds of Al Pacino like awkwardness because he's just meeting these people and finding this out. They're just other characters in the movie. And there is some funny stuff in the film, but I would say all of my big belly laughs of which there were a few came from Nathan Lane.
2: Uh, Milzy, I will agree. There's one in particular that I had to write down because it was it would get a big laugh from like anyone in my family. But just that very senior saying where he's helping her pick out a dress Mm -hmm. to wear. And she pulls out like this like kind of like long, like conservative kind of like black number. And it's got like a little I think it's got a little bit of gold on it. And he says, he says, absolutely not. You look like an Italian widow, (laughs) which is (laughs) like so perfect, which is like something looked like a dress my nan probably owned. (laughs) So like I got a huge like a guffaw that I had to pause it and rewind it to hear it again because it was Mm -hmm. so perfect. Yeah, he is a great character. Like it's mm -hmm. hard to
0: imagine. Honestly, it's hard to imagine having seen the movie, the stage version, without all of the great supporting cast members. Oh yeah, but him especially, the couple of scenes he's in, he is fantastic. And like I say, I don't think he was really well known. Um, I think his kind of big breakout was the birdcage which is a movie that i Mm -hmm. personally love but just he was great the whole cast is awesome in this i mean it really is
2: it's i'm trying to think um there's a couple guys this is one guy that works in the kitchen you know the one that like ends up being like a screen uh screenwriter yeah i don't know his name but he's kind of he's a that guy actor for sure Mm. you know seen him in a ton so lots of like little bits popped up here and there
0: yeah i didn't really recognize any of the other ones but they were all great character actors mm-hmm.
2: who fit their for sure. roles perfectly. yeah oh, for sure mills i got a question mm-hmm. I, I don't know if who knows if this is something we could even figure out but how are you saying like you know like identifying all the tropes in this one and everything do you think like these things were tropes at the time i imagine some of them were like for example i don't i don't
0: know if this uh, like counts as a trope or whatever but it's definitely like a tried and true thing that if you go back and you watch like older movies like even into the black and white era I feel like a thing you saw a lot of times was the New York City apartment where you look out and you like mm. look in on the lives cool. of everybody else and the rear window is the obvious one because that's what the entire film is about mm-hmm. but I feel like that is a big one Um, you know this, this might have been one of the first movies to do the whole like uh you know, gay best friend of the single right. female lead kind of yeah. movie
2: thing. Sure. Be curious to know. You know,
0: but yeah, I'm I'm sure a couple of them were like. The thing is, like this movie, I almost wanted to say it could be a trendsetter in some of those areas, but the movie made no waves at all, which is really surprising to me because I thought it was great. It had a budget of 29 million, only made 22 in the box office. Um, like I say, I had never heard of it before. Um, even though it's got some big names in it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: never heard anybody
2: talk about it. Yeah, same here. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'd be curious.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's the it's the thing that I always go back to, and I've said this about a lot of different movies, but like the one that always comes up because I'm the only defender of it, and we don't need to get into it here. But is like Avatar and how uh-huh. people like to pick apart all of the the tropes and like the familiar story beats and things in that movie. Right. And my point of view with every movie, not just avatar is like tropes are not a bad thing. Like it's a recognizable pattern. Tropes can get old if they're overdone and if they're Mm -hmm. not done well. And if it feels like they're the only thing holding up a movie, but in a case like this, it just, like, tropes can put you in such a familiar, comfortable space while you're watching something. It's like, a it can make a first-time watch like this feel like a a comfortable, like, safe yeah. movie-watching yeah. space. Yeah.
2: Well, that's a good point.
0: And, uh, I mean, it worked swimmingly for this movie. And, I mean, it just so happens that it had a really good story, really good pace. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those films where it's, like, such a fun little lived-in world. Like... Man, if this were like a series, like a TV series or something, like I would be in to watch sure. more of it. Yeah. Just...
2: I mean, it, it does such a good job of like making the mundane interesting.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's sad to know that uh, it's not more well-liked and widely watched, but
2: Yeah. You know, I'd be curious just as besides you knowing if anyone else we know has seen it cuz it's you know worth watching for sure.
0: Yeah. Once or twice since we started doing this podcast, uh I I've had friends of ours or other people tell me that they've watched a movie because of our show, which mm. is always great to hear. Oh yeah. Hopefully our stellar review of this will put it on somebody else's radar, Hopefully. but um, I mean
2: I mean you're the same. I mean, we like all types of movies. Mhm. So it was never like, oh man, not a romantic comedy. That's the last thing I want to watch. Like, I'm up for anything. So Mhm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, same here. That's yeah, like if, if
2: we weren't like that, then we couldn't do this show. Yeah. yeah, then it would have just been horror movies every episode. Yeah,
0: like I say, when I first popped it on, you know, the um, I watched it on Amazon, and mm-hmm. um, they, you know, the little thing said drama romance, and my immediate reaction was, hmm, I don't know
2: if I'm gonna love this, but here we go. <laughs> my immediate. My immediate thought was this theme song is dreadful, which hmm. cause I did not like the Frankie. Oh, and Johnny right, right, opening right, right. Song Frankie and Johnny. All. So I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what's going on? But yeah, yeah, so from there it only got better.
0: Frankie and Johnny is a song I think I read that it was originally recorded in like nineteen oh four. And it's a song about like a guy who cheats on his wife so the wife kills him or something. And, you know, it's a like a running thing in the movie that when people find out that their names are Frankie and Johnny, the song is brought up, or Al Pacino's trying to convince Michelle Pfeiffer they should be together, because, like, what are the chances? My my name's Johnny, your name's Frankie, and all this stuff.
2: Back to them, too. I, you know, I thought the two of them were great. I I mean, I think Al Pacino's, like, electric in most movies that I've ever seen him in. Especially this, but I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was, like, kind of fantastic.
0: She was great. I mean... I think I mentioned earlier, she, despite you know, the uh the critics' opinions that uh, she couldn't pull off being a quote unquote normal person, like physically or you no, know she, visually. Uh she got a lot of praise. And I think she was even nominated for a Golden
2: Globe for this. No, I believe it. I mean she played the role kind of just like you know, frazzled at times, but had a big heart and, you know, she was had some trauma there. And I think all that she portrayed really well. Even though I thought the accent was pretty good too. I've seen Megan watched this one with me and she's a native New Yorker. And at one point she did say it was a, the accent was a little heavy, but uh, overall I thought it was pretty good. Well, I mean, I guess it'll
0: just go to show that the accent was pretty good because I didn't even realize she was putting on an accent. Like it never registered mm-hmm. to me like, oh, she's doing a New York voice.
2: Yeah. I think um, this might even be something I just noticed now just from like Megan and her family, but certain words, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, pretty good. So, I was like, kind of like blown away. Like I said, I wasn't like, not super familiar with Michelle Pfeiffer's filmography. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would say, like fr- as far as old things for her, it's like Scarface and this now that mm-hmm. I've seen her in. And I was like, really impressed. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, they sold the ending and everything with uh, Frankie and Johnny together. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: it's yeah. great. Uh I loved this movie, like I said. I'm mm-hmm. I'm all about this one and I would recommend it to people. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. One final anecdote about this one before we move on is that uh this movie was filming like in the same studio or right nearby where uh Star Trek Six, the Undiscovered Country, was being filmed. And in one scene, in order to get like a legitimate reaction of surprise from Al Pacino when he opened a door and saw something behind it. Uh, Gary Marshall convinced William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy in full costume Mm. to come and stand behind the door so (laughs) that when Al Pacino opened it he would be surprised. (laughs) And it's funny to me, I'll bet you anything he got the idea to do that from the previous year he had directed Pretty Woman and there's that classic scene in Pretty Woman where Richard Gere is giving... um, julia roberts a necklace Mm -hmm. and as she reaches for it like her fingers are just about to touch it he richard Gere just randomly on set as a joke snapped the case shut Uh and she has this like you know big beautiful julia roberts like big guffaw laugh and huge toothy smile and Mm -hmm. everybody thought it was so endearing that they left it in the movie like that was an outtake a joke yeah but and it works so well, and it's one of those like memorable kind of movie moments oh, yeah. from that's that like film. That's
2: like a classic scene from that movie. So I'll sure. bet you
0: anything <laughs> that uh, that's why Gary Marshall did that in this that's, movie. That's awesome.
2: That's movie yeah. magic right there, man. What's not to love?
0: Mm-hmm. When I read that, I immediately, like, I already had the uh, the Pretty Woman like uh, factoid in my head, and I was like, I'll bet you that's why. Nice. Well played. So. Uh, all right. Shall we move on to movie number two? Yes, please. Scent of a Woman from 1992. Women. What could you say?
1: Who made him? God must have been a fucking genius. The hair. They say the hair is everything, you know. Have you ever buried your nose in a mountain of curls? Just Wanted to go to sleep forever, or lips, and when they touched yours were like that first swallow of wine after you just crossed the desert. Tits, whoa, big ones, little ones, nipples staring right out at you like secret. Searchlights. Mm. Legs. I don't care if they're Greek columns or secondhand Steinways. What's between them? Passport to heaven. I need a drink. Yes, Mr. Sims. There's only two syllables in this whole wide world worth here. Pussy. Ah. Are you listening to me, son? I'm giving you pearls here. <laughs> I guess you really like women. Oh, above all things. A very, very distant second
0: is a Ferrari. As I mentioned, I saw this, I I think I saw this back when I was in high school for some reason. I don't know how or why. Like, it doesn't seem like something that would have been overly of interest to me at the time. So I know I saw it. I have a recollection of liking it, but honestly... Until I rewatched it the other day, if you had asked me what it was about, I would have been able to tell you that Al Pacino was blind, and that was about (laughs) it. Like, it had almost fully lost my mind, Mm -hmm. aside from knowing that I had seen it.
2: Yeah, that's all
0: I had. And you said you hadn't seen this, right? Correct. I was, like, very well aware
2: of it. Uh, But, again, I knew he was blind. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I knew that before the Madden commercial, but. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Just like like that and all the the quotes and everything. But, yeah, I had no idea Chris O'Donnell was in it. Mm. Um, Chris O'Donnell's I mean, fourth film. Oh, wow. Uh,
0: he'd been app. in Fried Green Tomatoes, which would have been like the big movie for him. Although I haven't seen that. I don't know how big of a part he had. Maybe he was just like a bit part. But yeah. I feel like this was too. probably a, you know, a big moment for him.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, I feel like, yeah, this is like right in- not quite the prime. I don't know. Let's say Al Pacino had a prime of twenty years. I mean, it's right in there. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, this had to have been a huge movie at the time. I think it did pretty well in theaters too. Uh,
0: yes, this one had a budget of thirty-one million and made one hundred and thirty-four million. Yeah, that'll work. So, did pretty well. And, you know, not to bury the lead, uh, Al Pacino won Best Actor for this. Mm. He's been nominated four times, and this is his one win. Uh, and he beat out. Um, Robert Downey Jr. for Chaplin, Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven, Stephen Ray, I think is how you pronounce it, for The Crying Game, and Denzel for Malcolm X. So stiff
2: competition. Very. Hey, man, I'd say he deserved it. Yeah, he's um, good.
0: This movie's wild. Why don't you give us a little synopsis here before we
2: dive fully into it? So you have Al Pacino is a retired lieutenant colonel. I'm not sure what branch of the military, but re- lieutenant colonel. He's been blind for some time. He had a accident in the service, and he lives with his niece and her husband and their two kids, like kind of in a little apartment, like detached house out back. And he's just like a cantankerous old man. And Chris O'Donnell comes in because the. The niece needs someone to watch her uncle while the family goes away for Thanksgiving weekend Chris O'Donnell's in college he's got no money
0: he's not in college he's in uh, uh, I'm sorry prep, like school. prep school
2: uh yeah like a prep high school he's like 17-ish and he sees uh info tacked on that board and then he ends up at the house and calamity ensues <laughs>
0: that's that's one way to put it um, I would add that, uh, so he's going to this prep school because he got a uh, a scholarship for uh, writing a paper or something like that. Meanwhile, pretty much all the other guys that he's in school with are, like, rich kids whose right. daddies, like, bought their way into this school.
2: Rich a-holes.
0: Yeah, and so... Chris O'Donnell's character is only trying to find this like part time job so he can save up money because he's not going home for Thanksgiving. He can save up money to go home for Christmas. And he's just like, you know, nice, sweet guy. He's kind of turned off by Al Pacino's character at first because he's just very forward, set in his ways, insulting, like purposefully trying to make everyone hate him, it seems. Mm hmm and then as soon as the uh the niece and her husband leave for their trip the whirlwind as you put it that uh that they go on is that um his character frank has planned a weekend trip to new york without telling anybody and drags chris o'donnell's character along to like help him out because he's blind right and his plans in, should we should we give the full details of his plans is that uh i think it's it might be well I
2: don't know. He wants to
0: go have. He wants to go basically do all the things that he misses doing back when he could see and he was like a young, attractive man. Right. Um, And he kind of. He's been saving up his disability checks and he wants to live it up because he just hates like relying on other people and living this life in like suburbia with his niece and her husband, Mm -hmm. who he just views as like the most boring kind of scum of the
2: earth. Right. So just like picture, you know, an older gentleman single, got a bunch of money in his pocket in New York City for the weekend. Yeah. That's what he wants to do. So and he knows how to live at
0: large. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh rewatching this one, like I say, didn't remember a whole lot about it. I loved this one all over again too. Like as soon as the idea was introduced in the beginning that uh some guys that Chris O'Donnell knows pulled a prank on the headmaster of the school and mm-hmm. after the long thanksgiving weekend they're going to convene for like their little uh disciplinary meeting thing right in front of the school yeah as soon as that premise was introduced something did click in my head and I go at the end of this movie Al Pacino is going to like stand up for him in front of this group of people mm-hmm. like I remember this happening and so, like, the whole movie, this was the last one I watched, and I was, like, in Al Pacino mode. Right, <laughs> And right. I was just like, man, I can't wait to get to him, like, <laughs> telling uh, off all these preppy assholes. Yep. Yeah. And boy, does he. Yeah. Oh, it's a good scene. It's like a courtroom drama at the end, even it though really it's just, is. like, a disciplinary um, hearing at a school.
2: Because they spend, like, a decent amount of time, like, with that set up in the first act of, like, what happened and the whole thing. And, like, you got young C- uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman this was his fifth movie oh wow
0: and i read that he said that uh when this was filmed he was still like in between shooting stocking shelves in a deli and he considers this to be the movie that like gave him a career yeah i believe it because he's in it quite a bit i didn't like it's when i saw him i thought he was older but him and chris o'donnell are like almost the same age and i mean chris o'donnell is now older as well but sure
2: I've never seen, like, Philip Seymour often that young, so I yeah. was kind of blown away by that. I was like, oh, I guess... Apparently, he was a
0: kid once. Yeah, they were about uh, 20 to 22 at the time when this yeah. was filmed.
2: But yeah, I mean, I... Dude, Millsy, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It's so good, man. Al Pacino in this movie is a bolt of lightning. Yes, he is something else in this. I was just... Millsy, I was laughing out loud at just so, so many of his lines, like... Because they were funny or because it was just like so audacious that I was like, I can't believe this. he said that to this kid or to people. or Yeah. He's got the best delivery. I mean, mean, first
0: thing, they get on the airplane and he's like describing women Mm -hmm. to Chris O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. And it's like uncomfortable and a little gross. But at the same time, it's just like, God damn, he is putting in a performance here.
2: I just all my notes for this. Uh, movie are just quotes of his because they all made me laugh. <laughs> we could just Give us one. <sighs> when he first meets him, the first goes, You sharpshooting me, punk. <laughs> <laughs> and my fa- my favorite one I wrote down. I don't, don't want to do like a horrible Al Pacino presentation, but it goes, I had to listen to it twice because I was like, Did he just say that? Like it was so perfect. It goes, This bat has sharper radar than the Nautilus. Fuck with me, Charlie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was good. I do remember that line. Uh, so good and so like he feels like he was born to play this role yes he won the oscar for it which is why the thing we love to talk about fucking fly on the wall behind the scenes mm-hmm. the first choice for frank slade his character was jack nicholson and i can imagine jack nicholson sure being great in this role absolutely uh other people that they wanted and who some of them tried out for the movie? Harrison Ford, who I'm not sure if he would have been old enough at the time, like for like to really true, fit the character. True. Yep. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Sylvester Stallone, who I can also kind of see fitting into this into this role, mm-hmm. and Joe Pesci, mm-hmm. and Pacino passed on the movie. And then all these other people auditioned, and then he credits his agent with talking him into going back and doing it. Ugh. And then he won a
2: goddamn Academy Award for it. That, that's like you said. We're always saying like that is amazing. Yeah, um, I love shit like that. You flat out. I mean, I could, I could see Jack Nicholson in this kind of role, but it, I mean, it, do, it wouldn't even touch. I feel like Al Pacino, but like Jack Nicholson would be like scary, where Al Pacino was intimidating. I feel mm-hmm. like, but.
0: Oh. Well, let's talk about, okay, so Al Pacino in this movie gives a great performance, has great lines, great deliveries. He like embodies the character, but mm-hmm. I, I one thing you is his blind acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't personally know any blind people. I've encountered blind people every now and then in the comic store. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they don't do a whole lot of reading of comic books, but um, just in a capacity as I deal with the public uh, on a daily basis. So, I mean, I don't have like when you said that, you know, Megan noticed the accent of Michelle Pfeiffer because she's from there. Like, I don't have any kind of personal way to say like, oh, he was like actually doing a good job as a blind person. But I thought his blind performance was great. Down to the fact that I feel like a lot of the time when people play blind in a movie and they're not mm-hmm. blind, they wear glasses a lot of the time, which a lot of blind people do do. Mm-hmm. But he, they go out of their way to have him almost never wear the glasses in this. So you're always seeing his eyes. And I feel like that would be the hardest thing. Sure. Is not looking at things specifically and focusing on things. Because mm-hmm. like, when your eyes are open and you can see... Like you're Mm -hmm. just naturally like focusing on things and, you know, Pacino's a method actor and he went and like, you know, studied with some blind people and learned like different things like how to pour a drink without spilling it, which you see him do in the movie and all this kind of stuff. But uh, like his big thing was in order to play blind, he just said that he never let his eyes focus on anything. And for him uh, to be doing that and paying attention to that while giving the performance he's giving, yeah. I think that's why he deserves an award for this. I mean,
2: and I'll tell you, like, I agree completely. And I actually, like, grew up with a blind friend. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's spot on. Yeah. It really is. My mom's, like, best friend growing up, her son was blind. Like, even uh, from him from when he was, like, a little kid. Mm-hmm. But he never wore glasses. So he had that kind of just, like, the... the st- that. Not make obviously not make eye contact, but just the way Al Pacino looked looked at things and didn't focus. Mm-hmm. By like the second scene you see him, I was like, "Holy oh, shit, that's good!" Because it just remembered, like, click back to like growing up with this kid, Sean. Like, was spot on. Even just the way he his little mannerisms, trying to find things, like, mm-hmm. or even how he took your arm because Sean used to do that with me, like, hundred percent. Yeah. And I was like blown away. I was same thing. I was like, I see him winning. Like that makes sense. I don't even know who he was up against, but I see why. Yeah, just
0: a super impressive performance all the way around. Yeah,
2: man. It really. And was. if you
0: can't tell, I'm beginning to drink the Al Pacino Kool Aid at this point. Mm. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm looking forward to. There are a bunch of movies of his that I haven't seen, and now it's like the fire has been lit in me. Where I'm like, okay, now's the time. Once upon yeah. a time. Like, I hadn't seen, like, barely any Tom Cruise movies, and then I rented Eyes Wide Shut from Netflix back in the day, and I know a lot of people don't like that movie, but that's the Mm -hmm. one that set me off, and I literally rented all but, like, two Tom Cruise movies that have ever been made from Netflix over the course of, like, a month, and I feel like I could almost do that with uh,
2: Al Pacino now
0: if I had a back injury still and no job,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but... Oh, too bad you don't have a movie podcast. Oh, wait.
0: (laughs) Who knows when the next time is we're going to get to talk about Pacino?
2: Though we'll we'll see. Um, Yeah, man, just compelling performance. Mm -hmm. Really.
0: Now, conversely, Mm. how do you feel about Chris O'Donnell? Because Chris O'Donnell, not exactly a guy who has gone down in the history books as being like a great actor. Or like a noteworthy actor, not to speak of his actual talent, but like I feel like this would be a milestone for him. Uh, his biggest movie or his most well-known movie has to be Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, right? Yeah, Which, has to be. you know, aren't necessarily gold stars uh, on your resume. Past that, I could name like two or three other movies he's in. Um, what did you think of
2: him in this um, I thought he was good, I mean, I'd give him props for this, even there's that one scene towards me like the end of the second act where they really get into it hmm and you know, I was like all right I was like all right, Chris O'Donnell I
0: mean- <laughs> apparently in order to get Chris O'Donnell to cry on camera, Al Pacino had to take him aside from the set and just like scream at him like a drill sergeant mm. <laughs> apparently that's how they did it, <laughs> well, which is amazing. Hey, it worked I, mean, yeah, what did I you think what do you think of him? I think that he's good, but whereas I feel like Al Pacino completely owns his role. Oh well, I feel like, and part of it is probably the type of character that Chris O'Donnell's supposed to be playing because he's a very meek guy. He mm-hmm. does have like one moment where he stands up for himself and for someone else at the end of the movie, but most of the time he's just kind of the quiet, reserved, polite. Just like kind of he's, meek he's kind he just of doesn't know what to do. Yeah, he's he's just, like, observing everything and taking things in, and he's just there as, like, this vessel almost. Mm-hmm. So while I can't necessarily say that he was bad, I wasn't, like, overly impressed by him, but I bring it up because just like Al Pacino, behind-the-scenes fucking movie magic, mm-hmm. among the other people who tried out for this part and either passed on it or didn't get it are Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, Mm-hmm. Not as familiar with these next three, Cole Hauser, Randall Battenkoff, and Anthony Rapp, but I bring that up because the five of them, all five of them, and Chris O'Donnell, the same year this came out, were all in the movie uh, School Ties Together, which is a weird coincidence. And also, Stephen Dorff and Leonardo DiCaprio. Huh. I feel like this would have been a DiCaprio movie, like, all over. But then, I'm not sure... He was probably in that same age range at the time.
2: I'm trying to I think, think what, so. I think so. Did,
0: what year did Critters 3 come out?
2: <laughs> I think he's a little he's a little young. He's younger than Affleck and Damon,
0: but Yeah, that's what I would have thought that he might have been a little too young yeah, looking. Yeah. Probably. But like nowadays looking back on it this feels like it would have been a prime DiCaprio role. But you know, for all intents and purposes Chris O'Donnell is there to support Al Pacino, and right, I think right. he does a perfectly fine. I mean, he—I'd say he holds his own as high,
2: if his own is like however many levels below Pacino, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. he holds it. He's, he
0: has a job to do, and he does it. And yeah. you know, there's not as much required from him, but
2: right. I mean, this is a Pacino vehicle, of course. So yeah, but he's he's right there with it. I mean, so yeah. I mean, great movie. Uh, the ending is great, like the little procedural action at the end. Mm-hmm. That 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 one final hua that he gets is <laughs> like such a huge pop. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel like
0: you know they may have gone a little too far into the schmaltzy territory with uh, him kind of um, hitting on that teacher at the end. Like they needed to tie up every single loose end throughout mm-hmm. the movie. I didn't hate that. But I didn't I didn't hate it, but it did stand out to me as like I would have been fine if this wasn't here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it brought it brought some glow to your, your <laughs> cold heart, Millsy.
0: Yeah, I just love you know, one of the things, you know, there's I love sci-fi movies and horror movies and being able to experience stuff in films that I'll never experience and no one could potentially yeah. ever experience. But then a movie like this Or even like Frankie and Johnny, it's just all about the uh, like living vicariously through other people and different walks of life. And just like the prep school life of those kids and Mm -hmm. just like the look of that place and all the pomp and circumstance of it. Not necessarily something like the diner from uh, Frankie and Johnny where I'm like, I wish I went to a prep school, but just like it's fun to see that world. And then their trip to New York City. And again, that like early 90s New York City where it feels like it hasn't been completely cleaned up yet and
2: oh yeah definitely
0: and just like the the journey that they go on and you know he's he's just uh frank is just throwing his money around so they're at like the nicest hotel and the nicest room and they go to all these fancy restaurants and they drive a ferrari and all this stuff and just it does feel like uh like when I was a kid and I would watch like the movie blank check where the kid has a million dollar check and just can do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. It's just like watching somebody do something that I will never do probably. And like, wouldn't be, you know, right. Able to do like, cause I am not a character like Frank Slade. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's just, you know, I just loved the vibe of this movie as well. Great vibe. Mm-hmm. This and Frank and Johnny, vibe it I, up.
2: <laughs> I will. I will say about this one it feels a little long. It's that like was a critique a that I read two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel it honestly. Uh, um, I did around that part with like the Ferrari and all that, and then I was kind of like, how much longer is this movie? And I was like, oh damn, is <laughs> all another hour left? I was like, I felt it a little bit there. I don't. I don't hold it against it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see the complaint. I mean, it's it feel. I don't know what you'd cut out or anything, but it's it. I don't. I want to say it's a little longer than it needs to be, but it doesn't take away from it for me. It's it's amazing movie. Yeah, the first movie
0: ever to air on the Stars Network when it launched in February nineteen ninety four.
2: Oh, interesting, weird little tidbit. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's quite the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Another one that I. I can't recommend enough. I think this one's a little more um, accessible to any average person than Mm -hmm. Frankie and Johnny even. Right, um, right. uh, Loved them both, honestly.
2: Yeah. Well, shall we?
0: Can we go three for three? Let's see. Next up. City Hall, 1996.
3: The first and perhaps only great mayor was Greek. He was, Pericles of Athens, and he lived some 2,500 years ago, and he said, all things good of this earth flow into the city because of the city's greatness. Well, we were great once. Can we not be great again? Now, I put that question to James Bone, and there's only silence. yet, could not something pass from this sweet youth to me? Could he not empower me to find in myself the strength, to have the knowledge, to summon up the courage to accomplish this seemingly insurmountable task of making a city livable. Just livable. There was a palace. That was a city. It was a palace. It was a palace, and it can be a palace again—a palace in which there is no king or queen or dukes or earls or princes, but subjects all, subjects beholden to each other to make a better place to live. Is that too much to ask? Are we asking too much from you? Is it beyond our reach? Because if it is then we are nothing but sheep being herded to the final slaughterhouse. I will not go down that way. I choose to fight back. I choose to rise, not fall. I choose to live, not die. And I know, I know that what's within me is also within you. That's why I ask you now to join me. Join me. Rise up with me. Rise up on the wings of this slain angel. We'll rebuild on the soul of this little warrior. We will pick up his standard and raise it up. Carry it forward until this city your city, our city, his city, is a palace again. Is a palace again.
0: <laughs> it's, it's weird. For a while in the beginning, I thought Al Pacino was going to be the main character. Same. But then like into the second act, all of a sudden, it becomes John Cusack's movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Al Pacino falls a little bit by the wayside. Um Pacino plays the New York City mayor, and it's just uh, basically at the beginning of the film, a police, an off-duty police officer is trying to have a meet up with a like a drug dealer or something, or he's he's a part of a mob family, and um, a shootout, a brief shootout ensues, and a six-year-old boy is caught in the crossfire on his way to school, and it becomes just a media sensation and utter hell for the New York City, like for City Hall. right? So John Cusack plays the deputy mayor of the city who works for uh, Al Pacino's character and is basically trying to stoke the fire, or put out the fires caused by this tragedy. And then he begins to uncover kind of a conspiracy behind it almost
2: yep it's definitely
0: and it turns into a little bit of a political thriller from there although i would use the word thriller lightly yes um like i thinking back i don't think there's ever like a chase scene like a foot chase through the alleys in the city or something like that it's i mean
2: there's a couple of murders that happen very quickly
0: yeah and it deals with the mob and but it's it's definitely if you want to call it a political thriller, it's more political than thriller, I would say. I concur, Doctor. So what did you think of this film?
2: Um, Opening remarks. It, uh, you know, it's this is the Pacino episode. So, again, I mean, I just, it, I enjoy Pacino when he's on the screen. It's not, it's not that much in this movie when it boils down to it. And you get a lot of uh, Cusack with a horrible southern accent. That I found to be so distracting when it's even, you know, when he even tries to use it throughout the movie. Yeah, he only does the accent
0: every now and then, and it feels like sometimes his character is actually talking about
2: being from the South, and that's when he remembers to do it. Yeah. Like, it's so bad and so, like, poorly used that why didn't they just write it out of the movie? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's... uh... I don't know. It's okay for him
0: to have been from the south, but like, well, sure, yeah. But... Just don't, just don't do the accent. Like, we can just assume that you've been away from the south long enough that you have stopped talking like yeah. you're from.
2: I guess. I mean, I don't feel Mississippi like Mississippi or whatever. F- <laughs> him being from the south didn't add anything to his character. I don't think so. I mean, they it's alluded to a couple times, but whenever you're gonna have a character like that, like they should be phoning it in so bad. I'm, I don't even hate John Cusack, but I mean, honestly, if I had to take like one takeaway from the entire movie, it's that.
0: I didn't find it that distracting. Like I noticed it, but um, I will say that in general, uh, I'm not a, not a big Cusack fan in general, mm-hmm. not a huge Cusack supporter. I never find him to be the most convincing. Like he never really embodies a character for me. He's fine. He's good enough, but not not a big fan. So when it turns out that he's like the lead in this
2: movie, uh, I feel like it affected me a little bit. It did for me. I mean, not I don't feel necessarily the same way as you do, but it's just as far as how that initial that initial feeling about it and then what turned into like him running around the city trying to figure things out. And then mm-hmm. Chino pops up a couple of times. I was like, oh, because this is the last one I watched. Yep. So I was like on a super high from the other two. <laughs> And this, I was just like, oh, you know, it's like, like it, it fits our, you know, for this trifecta, but, you know, like, felt like barely a Pacino movie. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it's definitely
0: not Pacino's movie. And going along with that, not that Pacino's bad in it by any means, but, it, you know, those other two movies, he's like playing a very specific type of character where like he's putting in a performance. And in this, he feels like he's playing generic politician, like he's yeah, a little bit sure. fast talking and verbose. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's nothing definable about his character. Like, I could de- I could describe the kind of character that he is in Frankie and Johnny or Incentive Woman. Right, right. But in this, all I can say is he's politician mode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'll say while I loved the other two, this is the definite weak link of the three for me. Yeah. Uh, This movie, it's fine. I feel like so this was directed by a guy named Harold Becker, who has directed a fair number of things, not a ton of like big titles that I was familiar with, but he directed Taps, which is one of the aforementioned Tom Cruise films that I binged back in the day on Netflix. Uh, He also directed another uh, Al Pacino movie that I have not seen called Sea of Love, which is like a serial killer detective movie. And the other thing that jumped out at me was Mercury Rising, which was like, early 2000s Bruce Willis, I think.
2: Also, the kid that, like, figures out the code or something. Yeah,
0: I've never seen the movie, but that's the one. And so, like, this movie, I feel like with a better director, and honestly, maybe a better script, um, it could have been either more exciting or more interesting or something. I just feel like Pacino isn't mind-blowing in it. Personally, I'm not really a big fan of John Cusack. Bridget Fonda is, like, the third lead, and she, you know, is in and out, doesn't have a lot of screen time to do anything. Mm-hmm. The The plot isn't super compelling. It's just, like, a very middle-of-the-road movie to me, in all ways.
2: It, it, it feels very, like, mid-90s, kind of procedural, kind of just, like you said, barely a thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I fault the director. I think it's more script things that just make it not that compelling. Well, let's talk about the writing of this movie. What do you say? Yes, please. Uh,
0: so this movie had four credited writers. Uh-huh. Some decent names in here. Uh, so I'm a little surprised that it's as kind of generic as it is. But uh, So first we have Kenneth Lipper, who I'd never heard of before. Turns out he actually was the New York City deputy mayor, which is the role that John Cusack is playing in this under Mayor Ed Koch, who Mm -hmm. was uh, like late 80s, I think, like 79 through 89 or something. He was the Mm -hmm. mayor, I believe.
2: I think he's Koch. I think that's how he actually is. I believe. K-O-C-H. I don't know. I've, I've heard it both ways for different people. But yeah
0: you'll have to ask megan i will (laughs) but uh so this guy kenneth lipper in like so he served in that role fair enough he co-wrote this movie so he probably knows what he's talking about also wrote the adaptations not the books that they were based on but the adaptations of this and wall street oddly enough another one of the writers paul schrader I'm amazed the movie is as generic as it is when it was written by Paul Schrader or at least Mm. like co-written by him, because this is the man who gave us Taxi Driver and Hardcore and Raging Bull and the Mosquito Coast and The Last Temptation of Christ and bringing out the dead. Um, Like obviously has worked with Scorsese a bunch. And then just like last year or the year before. He wrote and directed a movie with Ethan Hawke that I really loved, that I feel like nobody saw, called First Reformed. And it was just like, man, this guy still got it. But in 1996,
2: he lost it.
0: Yeah. And then also in the writing was Nick Pelleggi, who wrote the book that Goodfellas is based on and wrote the screenplay for that in Casino.
2: Oh wow! Okay. And
0: then finally, uh, the fourth writer is a guy named Bo Goldman who wrote "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest" and "Scent of the Wo- Scent of a Woman." Like, with all of those movies behind them, and yeah. a guy who actually served under the mayor of New York, how did this end up being so generic?
2: That's, that's a good question, man. That oh. is mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, whenever I hear like those kind of things, I always feel like it, it was one guy's main script. And that's what got sold. And then like, you know, movie studio brings in the next guy to polish it. And this guy polish yeah. I and mean, this guy rewrites the third act. Blah, blah, blah.
0: So the distinction or the way it was broken down for the writers is is it was written by Kenneth Lipper and Paul Schrader and Nicholas Pelleghi and Bo Goldman. So mm-hmm. it seems like it was a Kenneth Lipper thing, but then Paul Schrader got like teamed up with him because he's like an actual screenwriter. Yep. And then maybe Pilegi and Goldman came in to do You know, punch ups or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah,
0: but yeah, it's just crazy to me that you have the guy who wrote One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, the guy who wrote Goodfellas, and the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, and then this movie is this movie with Al Pacino in it is as generic as it is.
2: There's this one bit I liked, which still could have, I'm sure, been played up better. But there's one scene where basically the mobster like talks Danny Aiello into killing himself. Which was a scene I liked, just and like as I'm watching it, like thinking about like you know you're in that in his same shoes, like what that would be like. So I liked that bit. That was like kind of a standout part for me for this movie.
0: That character and that sequence was actually loosely based on a real mobster. Oh. I don't remember his name. I just read this in passing, but apparently the guy actually tried to commit suicide by slitting his wrists, but survived, and then stabbed himself in the heart a couple of months later. Oh, boy. All like right. s- Literally, like, seppuku himself in the heart. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Okay. I mean, as, frankly, kind of, like, dull as the story is, um, you know, it makes you think, like, how much of this kind of behind-closed-door stuff goes on, and politics which mm-hmm. is frightening but you know it's just not com- it's not presented in a compelling enough way
0: yeah i just wish this movie you know it's dealing with like murder and politics in new york city it all feels very clean cut i wish it was sleezed up a bit more i wish it was Ooh. a little more down and dirty oh talk about it i wish that there was a fucking foot chase in the rain or something mm. like Honestly, um, I read that Alec Baldwin, Tom Cruise, and Brad Pitt all passed on this movie in the John Cusack role. I think I would have preferred any of them easily. I was say
2: yeah, I think mean, I would like to, especially after that terrible accent. If like uh, not
0: super long ago on the Sidetracked podcast, Jesse and I reviewed The Firm with Tom Cruise. Where it was like all about like conspiracies and Tom Cruise and foot chases and stuff. Like, if he was in this and it was more of a thriller, I think I would really enjoy this movie. But this, I don't know, this is like straddling a line between a couple different genres and it ends up just being like kind of forgettable to me.
2: Like middle of the road. I feels. I mean, I don't feel like people would pick out this for Al Pacino's great role. Like you said, he's yeah. kind of just, he's uh, politician he's doing number one.
0: He's not exactly mailing it
2: in, but he's not like, no, 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 his no. Mind. but he doesn't necessarily have a lot to work with either. Yeah.
0: Couldn't find the budget for this one, but it only made 20.3 in, in the box office. And I have to imagine with Al Pacino in one of the leads at this time, he, like mm-hmm. it, it, it had to have lost money
2: Yeah,
0: if it only made 20.3.
2: Even if like, like what could even be in the trailer for this movie that would make you want to watch it? You know?
0: <laughs> I don't know. No scenes Besides of John speak. Cusack for sure. Yeah,
2: just <laughs> Al Pacino's the draw. He's got to be. Yeah, the guy
0: who, uh, the mobster who was convinced to kill himself. By the way, Danny Aiello, who's also mm-hmm. a good actor from the oh, yeah. Right Thing and uh, Jacob's Ladder. He's got Mark- a couple good scenes in this, so I liked him. Mm-hmm. He's one of the highlights for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the scene at the opera or the the Broadway play with uh, him and. Pacino, where they like leave in the middle of the play and they're kind of like negotiating was one of the better parts for me.
1: Mm.
0: Martin Landau is in this small part as the judge. Right, right. And uh another alumnus of uh Triple Threat Theatre, David Paymer, my boy from Chill Factor, who was in uh Mighty Joe Young.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: The guy who creates the payload in Chill Factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always love seeing him when he pops up and stuff Just a character actor that I will always recognize and appreciate Nice Not in the movie it. a ton He's in the very beginning and the very end
2: mm-hmm. I can dig it don't Yeah, don't have a whole lot else to say about this one I really don't I mean, I think everyone can kind of tell where it's going with mm-hmm. that one But
0: Apparently Marlon Brando was considered for Al Pacino's role Which I feel like at that point in his career would have been a fucking train wreck <laughs> You know, because I feel like this is during that era when he made uh,
2: the Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh
0: yeah, that I couldn't think of the name, but that one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And hearing how hard he was to work with on, like, even older classic films like Apocalypse Now, imagine him in this role. I I don't think I can.
2: No, seriously, no. But good call.
0: Yeah, I think they picked the right Godfather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. But yeah, I don't know. Not not a whole lot to say about this
2: one. Milsey you want to talk some posters? Oh, let's do it. Uh, first up, well, we got Frankie and Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, these three posters fit the theme perfectly because they've all got Al Pacino and the New York skyline in them.
0: Uh, that's true now that I look at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this one looks to have the Brooklyn Bridge in the background. Indeed. Uh, can I say that if I had to guess one reason why the movie wasn't successful, it would be because of this super generic <laughs> poster? Yes. I mean, you know, it. it is, it shows Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer and they're looking at each other close up. He's handing her a flower. It's warm colors and New York is in the background. Like, that sounds like it's everything this movie is, a romance with those two right, in New York right. City. But this poster does not embody the
2: tone of the film no. at all. <laughs> I mean, I flat out would gra- would use like a screenshot of like them talking through the window thing in the restaurant. Where oh, he's yeah. passing the food, like, mm-hmm. there's plenty of shots of the two of them, like, you know, either yelling at each other or talking or whatever. But that would have been it for me.
0: This almost looks like the cover of, like, some shitty romance novel. Oh, it, God,
2: yeah. It's just. Like I you, mean, if you squint, Milzy, that could be uh, Fabio. You know what I mean? <laughs> Easily. Yeah. It's just.
0: Uh, I, yeah, the whole thing—the color, like that, like that warm
2: golden color mm-hmm. to it, with the rim yeah, lighting so on them, grain, graininess everywhere. I mean, it doesn't—it doesn't give you anything besides like, come to this movie for these two actors. Yeah, just not super impressive. Uh, scent of a Woman, far more interesting. Of a yeah. poster,
0: so full body shot of Pacino and Chris O'Donnell. Uh-huh. Walking in profile with the city skyline in the background.
2: This one is an illustration. By the looks of things,
0: that's not a photo.
2: I don't know. When I'm zooming in. I mean, I mean, it looks like a photo to me. You think that's a painting? Uh, I don't know. When I zoom in, it's like it's so gr- it's grainy, but it I mean, it like is more... grainy, but like. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I would. I would not guess that that's a painting, but I may be wrong.
2: I don't know. I, mean, I don't. When I look at Pacino's face, like the profile, that looks more like a piece of art than a photo. But
0: hmm. regardless, well, we are zooming in on uh, like his True. his face isn't as large and prominent as it is in uh, the Frankie and Johnny one.
2: But even like the background, when you look at that skyline, that's not a photo of the New York skyline. I don't believe. We'll have to, we'll have to check. Yeah, you you may be right. I don't know. I, I can't really tell. And then when you look at those trees, I mean, it's. I don't know, but regardless, um, you know they're pushing Pacino, of course, because it's just his name along the top here. <laughs> yeah, center stage. Uh, you know, it's a dude and a blind guy in New York. I mean, there you go. Yeah, I think
0: it's bad anytime you have to have like a paragraph of text. Yeah. Of course. So the text reads, Colonel Flank Slade has a very special plan for the weekend. It involves travel, women, good food, fine wine, the tango, chauffeured limousines, and a loaded forty-five. And he's bringing Charlie along for the ride. A movie like this, I don't expect to need a tagline. Like, if it's an action movie and you want to have some, like, corny lines or something, that's cool. But a movie like this, I feel like they didn't know how to advertise it.
2: Yeah, they don't, clearly. But it's also, like... uh... So that's kind of a bummer to put all that kind of spoilerish stuff in there. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize
0: while I was reading it, I kind of spoiled something that we chose not to spoil when we were reviewing it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but...
0: But yeah, just, I don't know. Even, like, the two of them walking happily side by side, like, the movie, it takes a while for them to have any kind of real rapport and respect for one another. Mm-hmm. It's, this one's too, like, happy-go-lucky. It looks like you're in for a comedy. And, I mean, the movie does have a fair bit of humor, but it's also got a dark side. Right.
2: But that's you know back to the marketing. Who knows how much of that they want?
0: Yeah, this this looks like a romantic comedy. This almost has more of the tone that I would have expected Frankie and Johnny to have.
2: Yeah, just yeah. the
0: blues and everything.
2: Mm-hmm. And no, I agree. This feels much more upbeat. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not it's not terrible looking. But
0: yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's I don't fine. feel like it's as misrepresentative of the movie as Frankie and Johnny is, but right. then City Hall.
2: City Hall stylistically, I like it, as, like, black and white image with that red text of the name. Mm -hmm. It's like nothing. It's like three people in a skyline. You know, what does it tell you? Nothing.
0: Yeah, so, like like, the black and white image almost feels like it's supposed to be, like, a camera negative, like, from a paparazzi, which, you know, it's about politics and he's the mayor. So that I kind of understand. What the fuck is with the random Bridget Fonda head down yeah, in the corner? Just... They just cut her head
2: out mm-hmm. of a photo and slapped it in the bottom. Someone said, we got to show there's a woman in here. That uh, is that is a part bad of her choice. Contract. Yeah, part of her contract. She has to be on the poster or something.
0: This, to me, feels like a modern-day shitty Photoshopped like direct-to-video yeah. oh, DVD sure. of something in Walmart.
2: Oh, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's there's no personality to it at all. Like yeah, the black, white, and red and like the almost uh what do you call it? Um like when you snap a picture of someone and they don't realize you're doing it, uh, a,
2: uh candid.
0: Yeah, almost like a candid photo vibe. Like I can get with all that, but just the do- design and layout is pretty lame and uninspired.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> None of these are really that good. I mean, yeah. I think that the most appealing one. If you take out all the text is uh, scent of a woman.
2: Yeah, I feel like you, it's not great, but it's you, when it, when it's, you see what it's up against, it's the clear winner.
0: Yeah. And the Frankie and Johnny poster, I think would be fine if it was if the if there were no jokes in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a movie where Nathan Lane is playing like the mm-hmm. snappy, jokey, gay next-door neighbor. mm mm-hmm. Mhm this just looks too fucking somber and serious. Like this looks like Al Pacino's character, Frankie or Johnny is is like dying of cancer. Like, and that's the kind of romance this movie is like
2: the, the poster that we make for this episode might just be a new poster for Frankie and Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll give it to sense of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: just by a nose, mm-hmm. <laughs> not by a yard. Millsy,
2: mm-hmm. it's about that time, friendo.
0: It is. Do you know how you're going to go? Do you
2: know how you're going to go? I asked you first. <laughs> uh, uh, I think so. Let's hear it. I want to hear yours. Uh, you already know. For both of us, City Hall's been loaded up into the Sun Launcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep, the Sun Trebuchet has loaded, ready. Right
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, sorry all people involved in making that movie, but it's a dud. Yeah. Big time. Not worth seeking out. Now, I so thoroughly enjoy both of these other movies. Frankie and Johnny is just like a it's like a heartwarming tale that like kind of like drags you through the mud to get to the end like it pulls at your heartstrings and it's like very uh, adult kind of subject matter one of the great things i think about it though
0: is that you know there's some serious dramatic stuff going on with a relationship between two people but it's not like anyone's life is on the line or
2: True. Oh, someone's yeah, going
0: going to get arrested or something it's just Two just, people trying to find a way to be together and to yeah. both be okay with it. It's and People
2: just trying to be happy. There know?
0: is a sensation of, like, a dire nature to it because you want them to be together and you want Al Pacino's character, Johnny, to be able to, you know, get across to her his feelings and for her to see it. But it is weird to think, like, there is, like, in the grand scheme of things, there's really not a whole lot at stake. But it does just, like, pull you in so much mm-hmm. with that yeah, dramatic I mean, relationship.
2: That's, like, a great way of putting it, too, is just, like, what's at stake when you think, like, well, no, it's just, like, two kind of regular people in their lives and their
0: jobs. But it's. Yeah. The diner's not going out of business if they don't hit right, their quota. Right. And it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, he uh, Al Pacino might end up back in prison or something. Yeah, he's not on
2: parole. You yeah. know, she's not dying. Like. <laughs> yeah it's just like two people, you know, meeting at the right time and does it all work out, like but I love that kind of story. Yeah, if it's done well and this one really is. It's yeah. super compelling. Sorry and to then, hijack your Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> And then I mean, you have scent of a woman which is, you know, it it deserves all the alkalades it has. I mean, like I said before, he's like Achilles like a bolt of lightning in this movie. The character is just mesmerizing to watch and hear and it made me laugh and you know made me think and made me upset at times like it was just the the whole roller coaster is there that this is i don't know this is like one of the toughest ones yet (laughs) i'll agree because i I enjoyed the hell out of both of these movies what's it gonna be (sighs) what's it gonna be i feel like just based on what i want to watch again like if i had to pick one right now i am going to <laughs> yes yes <laughs> borrow frankie and johnny and buy send a woman that's fair i just think um because i even want to watch frankie and johnny again right now but it's i think when i think back to like the Kind of like visceral feelings I got from scent of a woman, even though I do think it's like too long. But I still enjoyed it so much. Just his his performance is something else in that movie. It really is. So I feel I could see myself wanting to watch that again or several times, just even just to see him. Yeah, that's how I'm going.
0: I already loaded up the trebuchet with you there, City Hall. Sorry, <laughs> uh, there's no fucking contest here. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. But yeah, like, so I loved both Scent of a Woman and Frankie and Johnny. Scent of a Woman, it's like I already knew that it had a stigma of being like a a, a beloved movie. I didn't know until I sat down to do some reading after watching it that, you know, Pacino won the, the Oscar for it or anything like that. But knew that it was a well-liked movie, kind of like a modern classic of the mid-90s or whatever, early 90s. And yeah, had seen it before while I didn't remember anything, recalled that I liked it. And rewatching it, fuck, Pacino is great in it. And then Frankie and Johnny, didn't know what it was, never heard of it. I always feel like it's special when a genre like this one, which, again, as you and I have said, we'll watch anything, we're happy to watch anything, give pretty much anything a chance. But it's less frequent that I watch movies like Frankie and Johnny that are so like romantic drama heavy. And then it's even more rare when one really appeals to me. Mm -hmm. So I was just like out of the blue, almost like the movie didn't know it ever existed to loving it within like a, you know, two, three hour time span. Mm -hmm. And I think that I am going to borrow scent of a woman Mm -hmm. and buy Frankie and Johnny because While Pacino's performance is mind-blowingly good in Scent of a Woman, I love both of the leads and their interaction together in Frankie and Johnny more than I do the combination of him and Chris O'Donnell Mm
2: -hmm. in
0: Uh, Scent of a Woman. I don't knock that one bit. Scent of a Woman has that great climactic like courtroom drama-y kind of scene that we were talking about, but just the kind of downplayed simple. It's not even like the end of Frankie and Johnny is like, they decide to get married and then cut to a montage of them, like driving away with like cans dangling behind their car or whatever. It's literally, they've just decided to give the relationship a chance is the way that it ends. And it's like, there's so much story left untold there But that whole last sequence with, like, the argument and everything and the apartment, it's – I don't know if it's quite matches up or is the same in any way as Scent of a Woman, but Mm -hmm. still left me with just this feeling of, like, man, that was was something I just watched. And the two of them just going back and forth, Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer, who, honestly, I might have – I definitely think I preferred her performance to his just because she had a little more of a character. He was just kind of the – the one note like optimist,
2: yeah, like you, you knew what you were getting with him in that one. Yeah, she like, was pretty early mystery. on. She was the, she was the one that was throwing curveballs all over the place. So,
0: but yeah, just a uh, fucking happy go lucky good time, despite the you know bits of heaviness there when you mm-hmm. get some of the revelations about her and her past. But, uh, just yeah, just walked away from it like I. I already knew that Sen of Woman was a good movie, and Frankie and Johnny just took me by complete fucking surprise, yeah,
2: I mean, same here, I mean, I feel like I could easily have gone either way on this and been perfectly happy, but
0: yeah, I mean, same here, I feel like I am justifying just because you know one has to win over the other, you're right, right, but um, yeah, Frankie and Johnny man, just mm. like bravo for being as yeah. gripping as it was. <laughs>
2: I know, and, and for, uh, like, an under-the-radar movie.
0: Yeah. Oh. I can't believe that it is not more well-regarded.
2: Yeah? Amen. And you know what, Mills? I'll say it, the beauty of our little show here, because I never would have watched that. Yeah, I, I
0: probably would not have either.
2: Honestly. I mean, there could have been a time where I never would have said, like, nah, I'm not watching that, because it was like Al Pacino, sure, but it's like, would I have ever sat down to, like, Now's the time to watch Frankie and Johnny. Nope. Yeah, left That's to my own right. devices,
0: probably not. Like, if it was recommended to me or something like that, sure, but... Right. Hmm. Yeah. Triple threat, baby. <laughs> Triple threat. <laughs> uh, so, uh, ready to find out what we're going to watch next? Indeed. We have, I believe, let me double check, 194 oh, themes.
2: 194, generate... oh oh,
0: mills what's it gonna be
2: 192
0: and so close (laughs) so close to what i wanted to happen Uh, (laughs) that's right we just came up with this one the other day wow all right
2: we we have gone on quite quite a few times about no high numbers but
0: yeah it's happening baby uh theme for next episode is under the bridge
2: oh very ready
0: insert uh red hot chili peppers song here
2: <laughs> yes me clear up the uh rights to that so we can use it
0: oh man yeah it's funny like when i came up with this just the other day you mm-hmm. know it, we never seem to get the really late numbers so i was like we're we're not gonna get to do oh, this for God, years <laughs> and here it is <laughs> oh
2: man that's perfect. <laughs> next I, one's next one's
0: gonna be a fucking doozy, though. I'll tell you ha- that right now. I haven't seen any
2: of these, so
0: I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah. One of these. I mean, a couple of these. I think you're really gonna like, but mm-hmm. uh, I've seen one of them, and yeah, say, I, say no more. <laughs> under the well, bridge, all the way. Right. Uh, hey. Yeah, coming up.
2: <laughs> we did it. Triple yep. Threat Theater, mm-hmm. Episode Twenty.